0: Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds podcast on WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome to another edition of Nosebleeds, WFUV's baseball podcast. I'm your host, Sam Davis, here with our two Yankees beat reporters. That's right, two of them. Ryan Greyware, and of course, I want to say a special he's not a guest, but a special little sea host here with us, uh, The our producer whose name gets mentioned in front of basically every single one-on-one show, it's Alex Bulls. Alex, glad you can be with us. Uh, how are you guys doing today? I know the Yankees obviously coming off uh, a difficult series, to say the least, and Ryan, I'll, I'll give you some time to rant, but first, I want to check in on Alex. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. That's a great intro, Sam, too. You know, I appreciate all the words, producer and whatnot, yada, yada. But none of that matters. Today, it's all about the Yankees, all about the Mets, all about All-Star, everything in between. And I've been listening to it for a long time to you guys. Agree with most of what you're saying, but I have to come here and set the tone every now and then. So happy to be here.
1: You got to be a little bit of a mediator, a little bit of a leveler. For maybe Ryan's occasional, you know, out-of-bounds take that maybe he'll have once in a while, Gary Sanchez as an All-Star.
2: And maybe it's actually inbounds after a review.
0: He did turn me around. I'm not going to lie about that. He did turn me around. But Ryan, see, here's the thing. Ryan has these, we talked about this yesterday. He has this mental health crisis where he goes so high and so low. And I'm here, like you said, Sam, just to keep it in the middle. Because I have no, I have no horse in this race. So I just like to level things out for him.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, both me and Ryan have a horse in the race, especially this past weekend, as we kind of battled back and forth with our texts about the Red Sox and the Yankees, of course. Anyway, we'll get into those, to this Yankees team. Um, You know, of course, that's basically the hot topic right now. Uh, They were swept in the weekend series uh, in Fenway against the Red Sox. That was their 0-6 against the Red Sox so far this year. That was coming after sweeping the Blue Jays and then winning that A's series that set up, you know, we talked about it last week on Nosebleeds, what we thought was a really important series with the Red Sox. And, of course, you had the Royals series as well mixed in there. But the Yankees looked like they were starting to turn things around, had about three good series in a row. And then came this Red Sox team where they were able to, we're not able to get much going, especially offensively. And they were swept once again, especially Sunday with Garrett Cole on the mound, which obviously led to sticky substance content that we'll get into in a little while. But first, Ryan, I want to ask you, what's your panic level? You have mentioned this before. It's been low at times. It's gotten higher. What's your panic level with this Yankees team right now?
2: Yeah, well, first off, I didn't really get a chance to injure myself here. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Um, you know, going into the show, I was dreading it, but getting Alex on the show, it cheers me up a little bit. Oh. Um, I don't know if he'll be in my corner on the show, but glad to be able to talk baseball with him. And uh, so the panic button, um, I, sma- I, I broke it, Sam. I tried <laughs> I to throw it out actually yesterday after uh, Garrett Cole's third inning of work. Um, you know, things are not good at all for the Yankees. It's um, they're I think I texted this to Alex yesterday. They're so inconsistently consistent to where like the highs have been really high, right? I remember yeah. doing that nosebleeds after the White Sox series. Remember even last week, you know, feeling really good about the state uh, going in, obviously versus the Royals. They won two of three. They lost the Garrett Cole start in that one, but you know, it's two really impressive wins. Um, the in the second game of that series, they come back in the eighth and ninth inning, huge hits from you know Odor, Sanchez, and Voit, and then on Thursday, I believe they had a real solid complete offensive game where it really looked like heading into Fenway they were getting hot the three four five of Stanton uh, Sanchez and Judge was really looking good Voight obviously came back this week I think that's one of been the few positives I'd said there's been two you know kind of new developments it's been Luke Voight being back and he looks like he's back 280 since he's been back 90, 908 OPS and then DJ LeMahieu, who we've I've crushed him on the show I've crushed him on nightly but he is turning a page a little bit. He had a really nice series versus the Red Sox. He's hitting 318 his last 20 games, 870 OPS, hit 423 this week. So hopefully, you know, he regresses back to the means of being a solid 300 top line of But after that, the good stops. And this series versus the Red Sox showed a lot of it because I don't want to say it was like do or die on the season for the Yankees, but I thought going into it, it was going to say a lot about this team because, you know, going in, I did believe that the Yankees were better than the Red Sox as they've been the last few years, as they obviously hadn't shown but the talent, but there's just no objective way to say that nowadays, right? I'll always go here and tell the truth. And objectively, the Red Sox are a better team than the New York Yankees. And you look at it, there's just one massive reason why, and it's the lineup. The three, four, five of Bogarts, Martinez, and, um, sorry, um, uh, Rafael Devers is something the Yankees just don't have right now. It's something they should have, on paper, but they, they don't have the production from their guys to match. I think all three on the Red Sox have over 900 OPS. The highest on the Yankees is judge with 894, And then after that, it's kind of a steep fall off. So the Yankees don't have the lineup to match them. And we saw it in this series because they had a few chances in the first two games to battle back. They didn't do so. And Sunday was just a nightmare. Garrett Cole absolutely did not have it. I'm sure we'll get into more of that later, but just to go back to your original question before we get more into the series, the panics all the way up. Uh, this team is three games above 500. That's about right. They're not a good baseball team. They're not a good playoff team right now. You know, I can go into how we still have 85 games left. Yada yada yada. I don't know if we want to hear that right now. We have to evaluate what they are right now, and that just objectively is not a good baseball team.
0: I like what you said right there, because I think it reinforces one thing for me. And you're kind of at this crossroads right now, I think, with the Yankees between what they are and what they should be. And you have to just choose which side you're going to fall on, because everything Ryan said right there. Look at this lineup. In theory, this should be. We've talked about this all year. We know what they should be. We know what they can be. And certain guys at certain times have gotten there. Like you mentioned, the stretch from D.J. LeMahieu now, more of what we expected. I mean, Aaron Judge has lived up to the, the baseball card all year long. We've seen certain spurts from guys like Gary Sanchez, of course. John Carlos Stanton's had his spurts. And we've seen a little bit of, of shiny moments from everybody. But at the same time, there's also been moments that have been so low, like Brian mentioned. And at the end of the day, there's just these two extremes between what the team can be and all these highs. And we saw it in the Royals. We saw it against the White Sox. We've seen it at times. But then you get these super, super lows in the series like you had with the Red Sox now twice. And I think when you look at that together, the Yankees are quite honestly just somewhere in the middle, and that's the way, to me, it looks like it's going to stay because we had this conversation about what the expectations should be and the expectations should be, sure, on 100-win baseball team, top of the AL East and whatnot. But I really have to start thinking we have to shift that benchmark a little bit and just acknowledge what the Yankees are. We're at that point where the sample size is big enough. We've seen enough of this team to understand – what they're going to be this season and I'm not really all that concerned And to the question about the panic button i'm not all that concerned about it. Just because I think it's all about the postseason for this team, I think, when you look at the regular season. Time and time again we've seen the Yankees shine in the regular season we've seen them play so well. Just to fall off in the postseason and I know right now the team collectively isn't playing well, but I think i've seen enough good things from certain individuals here and there that I think there's going to come a point if it's not now maybe it's at the end of the season where all of that does click together. And when it does, I still do think you have to be confident in what this Yankees team can be. But like Ryan mentioned, where they are right now, certainly you can't be confident about because time and time again, a big series has come around and they've dropped the ball. They've beaten a lot of small teams. They've beaten a lot of insignificant series. But anytime against an AL East opponent in a big series, the Yankees haven't fall, haven't shown up. And I think that's the one thing that's really hurting them this season. And it's just a matter of when things are going to click consistently. And right, like Ryan said, it just hasn't done that so far. And this weekend was was a good example of that.
1: We've been, we've been constantly kind of making excuses for this team throughout the whole season. We've been saying, look at the lineup. It should be better. It should be producing more. Look at this team in general. It should be a lot better. It should be first place in the AL East. It should be making a run deep into October. But right now, they sit in fourth place. I don't think you can look at this team and say they're going to make the playoffs. I really don't think that that's, that's a guarantee anymore. I, I think right now, it shouldn't be thinking about this team making a run deep into October. Although I agree, Alex, that's an interesting trend that they've had seasons where they've seemed like everything's gone their way during the regular season. They've won a lot of games and then come October things have happened. They haven't been able to get over that hump. Maybe this year is kind of the opposite and maybe that'll work out well for this team. But I think right now it's, it's hard for me, you know, Ryan, you mentioned the Red Sox are a better team right now. And I, I hate to you know harp on my team, but, they really are. And, and, and that showed this weekend, especially with the line, even the lineup. I mean, th- this Red Sox lineup is very good. Um, the pitching has always been kind of the weaker spot of the team, although the pitching has been outperforming this this season, which is why I've kind of always expected Red Sox to kind of settle in a little bit and play, you know, not first place ball, but maybe play like more like a wild card team at the best. But they haven't really done that yet. But the lineup, I'm looking at these two lineups and they look Uh, For me, it's a stark contrast between what the Yankees could be and what the Red Sox are playing to be in that lineup. The the lineup is definitely a lot better for Boston right now, and it showed this past weekend. I think another big thing, too, and I'm going to get into this in a little while with with the Mets team, which we'll talk about. Obviously, I cover them. For me, this Yankees team just feels deflated. They feel like they don't even really care anymore. And maybe Aaron Boone in that managerial position, not necessarily showing that fire. I think that's probably the biggest criticism you can give him at the moment. He's not really showing. He didn't get ejected very often. He doesn't really show that fire, that fight, that I think a lot of Yankees fans are kind of dying to have at this point because every Yankees fan is watching this team and is extremely frustrated. I can speak for you, Ryan, Yankees fans in general, extremely frustrated. And then they see Aaron Boone kind of just like, you know, relaxed, neutral, and almost trying to say, like, it's early on, things will improve, but I think we're really past that point with this team, and I think the fact that you're not seeing any fight from them, the fact that it almost looks like they're okay with losing, like they're okay with, you know, losing and getting swept by the Boston Red Sox at Fenway, no Yankees team should ever be okay with that, and the fact that they look like they're almost defeated when they take the field, to me, that's a huge red flag, just to the point that the Yankees are almost getting used to losing, and and this team that we talked about how much better they should be is almost accepting that they're not going to be that way.
2: Yeah, so a few things you guys said that I want to highlight. Sam, I'll start with you because I think you talked about what they look like, and I think that's so intimate in Sunday's game, right, the body language for them. Mm -hmm. Aaron Judge talked about before the game, like, the number one thing he said was, we have to get ahead early. And literally, first pitch of the game, the Red Sox hit a home run. And you see from the body language, it just looked like they were feeble. And they know, like, I know the urgency thing is weird, but the Red Sox are stealing bases on them. They're reaching on errors. You know, there isn't a bat, I think, second or third inning Aaron Judge steps up to the plate and he strikes out looking horrible caused by the umpire. Just, you know, like you can't be making those called strikes and he strikes out looking. I think there was maybe one pitch that whole uh, at bat that was a strike and Aaron Judge looked at all three of them. And, you know, Yankee fans on Twitter and I know me, they're calling for some fire. I want to see Boone eject in that moment because it's a big at bat. It's four, nothing. It's still early in this one. Obviously Aaron judge at a home run yesterday and he's their best hitter. So, you know, you take the bat out of his hands, it's now we want, and there wasn't any of that. And so I think that's exactly to your point, Sam, because that's been the number one thing with Boone, right? I don't really, you know, the lineup in the, in the state of baseball nowadays, like your manager is going to be a puppet more often than not. There's only a few exceptions to that rule. I think I have a hard time believing that he doesn't get handed the lineup or at least has heavy influence from the front office, and so from that aspect, I don't always kill them when there's a questionable decision. But the personality and the that is the one thing that you really, as a manager, can't control in today's game, right? You are you have the ability to rile up the guys in the locker room, in the clubhouse, in the games and after the games where, you know, the front office, the ones making all these decisions, they're sitting in the sweet box, you know, at the other side of the stadium. They can't do that. That's what Aaron Boone has to do to be the CQ manager. And it's obviously been... What he hasn't done, but the only frustrating thing that I'll go is it's fire, boom, fire, boom. I just don't understand what that changes right now. Mm-hmm. Does that automatically make Labor Torres a good hitter, which he is not right now? He's a 240 hitter with no power. Like how does firing him flip that switch in him to have him perform better? I don't see the solution there. And so then to just go off Alex's point, which I think this is the beauty of baseball because I know Alex, like the expectations are tempered for him. And I think he makes a really good point where if the Yankees kind of they're limping in here, they sneak into they backdoor a second wild card. Right now, obviously that doesn't look likely, but you know it is. We have games to play. If they do do that and have postseason success, it doesn't matter about the regular exactly. season because there have been years 2019, 2017 a little bit, but definitely 2019 where in the regular season they were at they were the team of destiny, next man up. They had so much fun, so much fire, and things really came together by the end of that season. But they fell they fell short in the playoffs, and at the end of the day that's the only thing that matters. And we see the parallel where you see the Nationals in 2019, you know, they are three games under 28 and 31, or no, they're like 22 and 31, something really under 500 through 60 games into the year. They storm back, they backdoor wild card, they get hot, they win a World Series. And I know that's, you know, you don't want to just bring up one example and say, this is what the Yankees can be, because that's pretty unrealistic. But it's not like you know, the season's completely over the division. I, I, you know, I'm looking towards the Walker Things as of now, but six and a half games, it really with 85 to play, it really isn't anything crazy. They cut it from nine to four in one week. It's not, you know, the most unlikely thing to see, but it's just the way that they look right now. They are not this team and the, the balance that Alex talked about, it's hard to just not look at what they were and say, why can't you be this again? Because we've seen it all around baseball, right? The Rays, lost players in the offseason they lost Blake Snell they lost Charlie Morton they are still where they are the Astros last two years lose Justin Verlander lose Garrett Cole lose George Springer and they are even better than ever I think they have to be the favorite in the AL right now and then you look at the Yankees they kind of stood pat they added Garrett Cole a few years ago this offseason they you know no one in the AL really added which is why I had a lot of confidence in them and they've regressed more than any other team in baseball So that's why I think it's frustrating to, you know, I don't, I, I, as a Yankee fan, I get how you can look at it, Alex, with that more objective viewpoint, but I can't temper the expectations and say, this is what they are. You know, win a few more games. You are sneaking to a wild card. I look back at the 2019 the last few years where they've led baseball on homers they've hit with runners in scoring position. They've done all these things, which right now they're just not doing. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking at right now for the Yankees And it's frustrating because there is no there is no one answer right now to fix this team.
0: Yeah. And the one point I want to double down on that you mentioned was the fun aspect, because I think that's been to me the number one thing that's missing is not about the results, the wins and losses, but about how those results are coming. And I think every single time there's been some sort of spark of energy, it's been a fleeting one. You know, I think you think about. Luke Voigt's return, for example, he had so much energy in those first two games, that's just dissipated completely now. You talk about fans coming back, another big one, you know, you talk about all the excitement of that. The ballpark's the same as it was during COVID protocol. It's no different, really, in my opinion. So I think every time there's been some sort of moment or some sort of spark from a guy that you could see coming, and like we've always said, that'll be what you've texted me many times. The Yankees are back. This is what's going to get him going. This is the moment. And then it just fades away. And I think that's that's been the frustrating thing, too, is that there's been, like, opportunities for this spark to come, but they've never capitalized on it. I think defense is another one. You remember the beginning of the season defense was brutal for this team and you thought that as that started straightening itself out the team would play better for a while that was true and now it's kind of back down to normal base running is another one the base running has not been great this year either. It's one of those little things that I don't think we talk about enough. They've been killed. They've had the most runners thrown out of home plate. It's a, yeah. a big difference too. a big difference
1: things like that wins games
0: and that's the other thing too you talk about fielding you talk about base running you talk about the environment the clubhouse those are the things that are lacking and i know you know the hitting is obviously one the lack of power sure the runners in scoring position hitting into double plays all of that is a problem absolutely But none of that's going to change. If all that first things don't change either, if the fielding doesn't change, if the clubhouse doesn't change. And I think those are the two things that have not clicked so far. And one can't happen without the other. And like Ryan mentioned, it's just been so frustrating to see the team not really having any fun, not having any energy or excitement. And whenever that opportunity does come, they really can't carry any momentum forward. And we talk about moving forward. That's the one thing I want to see, really, is some sort of momentum. where Regardless of what the record says, you just have to start winning games consistently. Like Ryan said, text me before, take two of three from every series and you can't afford a series like you had in Boston and just get swept and get blown out. That really can't happen because you saw the fight in this team. You saw it against the Royals. They had so many comeback wins in that series. You know, this team cares and you know We're that that fight of baseball is comeback there. Wins this year. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the point of it. It's like, you know that they care, you know, that that potential is there and you just have to have that every series. You can't walk out of a series like you had in Boston and just get swept. And that's the frustrating thing is we know again, what the team can be, not just in theory, they've shown it this year. They've shown it they haven't strung it together and I think this this week the seven games you have this week is massive because if you get another sweep and lose another series in front of your home crowd after what you just did in Boston it's going to be scary because if you remember the Boston series is when they turned it around last time I think this is another moment now if they're going to do the same thing or not really really interested to see what happens this week
1: yeah baseball is such you know momentum like you guys have been talking about and getting hot at the right time like That is something that is so integral to baseball in such a long season. It plays an incredibly important role. So I'm not, you know, I'm not really willing to fully count this Yankees team out. I never really will, just because of everything that could go right and the things that could happen. But like the more we go on, the more it seems like a lot has to go right. And you're right. I think it really starts with the clubhouse. And that is my biggest criticism for Aaron Boone. I I think if he could find a way maybe to change the way this team's attitude and then when they go about every game. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the Mets because obviously they're a first place team, so they have a lot more to be excited about right now. But they, they talked about it and, you know, you can you can criticize manager Luis Rojas all you want, but he brought this attitude into this team where it was about celebrating little victories, celebrating little moments in each game where the, where the guys can say that was good and, and we need to do that more often. And just lifting up your players and really deciding that this is a long season, but we need to really value individual games, individual moments, because that what that's what gets you week through week. And I think right now this Yankees team is just thinking so far ahead. They haven't all year. It's been about making the playoffs, winning the AL East. It looks like such a large hill to climb. But if you focus week by week, series by series, and you have fun, I mean, it sounds simple, but I think this Yankees team can really make up some ground as soon as they decide you know what, we don't, we're not going to win, we're not going to advance six games up in the division with one one win, one night. You know, it's going to happen over a long process, especially with the Rays and Red Sox continuing to play good baseball. It's going to take a while. You know, you have a lot a lot of games left, you need to be patient, take it series by series, week by week, and start changing the attitude in in, in this clubhouse, because right now, from an outsider perspective, it doesn't look fun to be playing for the New York Yankees. And And that shouldn't be the way it is because this team is way too talented for that to be the case.
2: No, yeah. Uh, Something that Alex just said about how, like, there have been sparks and moments where the season can start now. It's funny because Aaron Boone in his press comments today said, our season is on the line. And I'm already seeing on my Twitter different Yankees accounts being like, all right, season starts today. Like, let's go. (laughs) If I I type season starts today in my search bar and text messages, I guarantee you – I've said it at least six times this year. You know, a big (laughs) – come back in a big win in Minnesota or the times that Alex mentioned, right? It looks like when they're going to turn a corner, they don't do so fully. And the last point that I really wanted to make about the Yankees, and this is maybe a more specific thing, and it hasn't even been the reason they've lost a lot this year, but I feel like it's not maybe highlighted enough in the mainstream. And it's kind of what they did with the bullpen. And one that was helping the Boston Red Sox in trading Adam Adovino to them and his $9 million salary to get that, you know, kind of off the floor. And then they go two for one with Justin Wilson and Darren O'Day. And right now, Justin Wilson, he a six ERA and he's been injured for a while. And Darren O'Day's only pitched nine innings. And Adam Adovino, I think he's pitched against the Yankees at least three or four times in these six games. He's shut him out every time, I believe. He's been really just lights out for the Red Sox with that 2-8 ERA. And the other thing that the Yankees did is, which is one thing that Brian Cashman, it's very uncharacteristic, is he led Garrett Whitlock, who I'm sure maybe not is a huge name in baseball, but Sam – I'm sure is love Garrett Woodlock this year yeah. because he yeah. is an all-star believer in the AL 1.4 ERA. I think he leads baseball in multi-out uh, appearances of more than three outs with, get, without giving up a run. And the Yankees left him unprotected and he was a rule five pick. And so, you know, when you do things like that, and when you don't have prospects to come up, everything just builds. And the bullpen has been so good. And this is, has something we've talked about. But when, when, when all the facets are at the game aren't working – That's why you're inconsistent and you're going to have moments where the bullpen falters right now. Zach Rittens back on the IL. He's looked shaky ever since he's been back. You hope it's not a lost season for him. Things can continue to snowball and the Yankees have to figure out a way to make that not happen because you know, no one's, no one's coming up. Right. I hear people say,
0: (laughs) I was going to bring that up.
2: (laughs) Uh, People say on some of our shows, like don't want to trade the farm for guys and stuff like that. But the reality is like, no one is coming up on this team. Got it, Mike. Right there. Yeah, right that down, is a Mike. shot at Mike. I hope he <laughs> listens to this. Uh, he brought he brought this argument up on his one on one the other day. But you know, you're not going to have anyone like if the, if it takes four guys at the deadline, go do it. Um, obviously, they can't look this bad. But there's no reason the Yankees should be three games over 500, even with their struggles. You have to figure out a way to do it. There's so there's so many questions with the Yankees, not enough answers right now. And the Boone thing, just just to go back to that because. That's kind of how Sam ended it. It's just my one thing, and I already said this, but if you fire him, what does that do for your team now? It's the one thing. I don't know. Who do you who do you bring in that's going to change up the locker room?
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to fire him tomorrow. I, I really don't think that's a – I agree with you. I don't think that
0: solves much. They would have done it already probably too.
1: Yeah, they would have done it already. I think it's an off-season move, and I think it does change something if you bring somebody in that really changes the culture and changes the idea, it changes the attitude then I think something changes. But right now, you got to ride with them, you got to stick things out and hope that, you know, things turn around. Before we switch over to the Mets here briefly, um, we mentioned Garrett Cole and his struggles on Sunday, of course, giving up six runs, I think it was the worst start of his Yankees career. It was, um, he has a five ERA in the month of June. um, And that has some correlation, it seems like with the uh, new sticky substance policies from Major League Baseball. So Alex, I'll start with you since Ryan ended off there. Um, do you think this has correlation? Do you think Derek Cole is struggling right now because he cannot use spider tack or whatever sticky substance he was using for that spin rate?
0: It's too early to say. And the only reason I'll say for Cole's sake is he take away the Devers 3 run homer and it's a pretty normal start. I, I know he didn't look good, but you just that in terms pitch, of what the that final was line right is. right down the middle. He and he said he lost that pitch. Right he right said he let down. it go. Probably that doesn't happen. But I think the one thing, more so than the actual tangible impact of the substances that I think is impacting Cole is the mindset. I really think that's been a bigger deal than the actual substances, because you think about that press conference, he looked so uncomfortable then. I think everybody's just been talking about it so much. that It has to be in his head every time he goes out on the mound. And I think that more so, and you remember the first start too, I was at the first start where this was instituted, the crackdown on Monday. Every time he came off the field, he was looking around waiting to get checked, which to me tells me when he's on the mound, he's also thinking about getting checked. I think that is the one thing even more so than we can't judge the impact of the substances. Yes. The spin rates down. I don't think that's what's killing him. It's been only a couple starts. I think it's too early to say that, but just having this in his head, having the constant questions about it, hearing about, you know, now, especially after this start about how the substances are going to impact his game. I think that just a focus level. And Cole's one of those guys who's laser sharp when he's on the mound. I think that's not there right now just because of all the conversation about it. And that compounded with the impact of the substances itself is what's probably leading to Cole not looking as great. Um, do I think that the Red Sox start is solely happening because of what, you know, because of the substances? No, I think maybe he just had a bad day. He had a bad month. I understand that. But I just think it's too early to say that that's definitively the case. But one or another, it's in his head. I think that has to have some sort of impact when you're a pitcher on the mound. in such an individualized aspect of the game. So it's interesting. I, I, the Yankees, he's not the only guy in the Yankees that's been affected by it. I know got out of the bullpen is the same type of thing. His spin rates have plummeted. He had a really bad outing his first time out. So look, it's possible. I'm not going to make any conclusions now, but it's definitely... It's definitely in his head, and I think that that has to be something.
2: Yeah, my thing is, was Garrett Cole using, like, sticky stuff? Obviously. Uh, yes. I, I, very well documented. But I'm really not that concerned. And yesterday's start, I think it, I Alex made some really good points. I think it was just his command wasn't there at all. He had, I think, uh, you know, looking into some deeper numbers, he had, like, 34% cold strike with percentage, which is, like, strikes in the zone that batters are swinging at. So his stuff was not necessarily that different. It just was no command at all. Talked about that pitch to Devers. I was just right down the middle. He looked uncomfortable. O2
1: also. It was an O2 pitch right Uh now. Yeah.
2: So, like, I think that is something in its own. Garrett Cole is, like, I'll. is there worry? Sure. But if you're a good team, maybe it's your top worry. And I'd love to make that the start of this conversation, which I think in, like, a not-so-crazy world, that could have been the the lead topic here if the Yankees – We're playing really good baseball. The story would be Garrett Cole's June struggles since, you know, the spider attack ban, but there's so much wrong with this team. It's so far down the list. Of a worry. He still had some really good starts where he's figured it out. Obviously the strikeouts are down. It's a middle of the season. It takes time to adjust everything. It really is not something that I'm too worried about. Like, like he was using stuff. So is everyone. And he's taking some time to adjust. He had a really bad start against a really good lineup where he had no command. So it's not really as i mean right it's the end of our yankees topic which i think shows there is bigger issues there's bigger storylines with this team right now to talk about
1: yeah that's a great point i agree with both of you one start against the boston red Sox, as much as i would love to say oh man he's just you know it's obviously that but it's not i mean you know he's a great pitcher so and certainly alex that's a great perspective there on looking around as soon as he gets off the mound he's definitely thinking about it if that's the case and that's definitely something to look forward to in the future as well going into as this role continues to stay and have its impact of course already claiming its first victim in hector santiago
0: um well, that's anyway. the thing. yeah and he said he was only using rosin so if you think about a guy like him who's only used that's what he said is only using rosin and he gets thrown out then cole was probably thinking about it even yeah. more like i think yeah. that's the tricky part of it
1: yeah yeah he's like looking over his shoulder even if he's not doing anything now because he knows he can't but yeah Totally right. So shifting over to the other New York baseball team uh, in the New York Mets, who uh, I think the the difference is obviously both teams are are struggling offensively right now, the Mets um, and the Yankees. But the Mets um, have split back-to-back series against the Braves and Phillies. Um, They've dropped to last in baseball in team runs scored per game, which is actually incredible, the fact that they're still in first place. And they're last behind the, the Pittsburgh Pirates in that category. And they're still four games up at that uh, as they head to Washington and on another road trip. So an interesting position um, for this team. There's, there's negative, there's things to be negative about. I would say, like I mentioned, the lack of offensive production, but then there's also things to be positive about being in first place, continuing to play about 500 baseballs. They get tons of guys back from injury, certainly another positive as well. Ryan, I'll start with you here. Um, how do you, what are you thinking about the Mets? Do you find, are you more worried about the offensive production or are you staying positive as they kind of get guys returning from injury and they still sit in first place?
2: Right. I think if you look at it in the short term, this was an amazing week for the Mets. And let me explain it because they split, they kind of split this week, right? They split two game series and they very easily could have won two and six. Like they very easily could have won 0 and 8. Honestly, the way that they played 11 runs in those four total games versus the Braves getting shut out twice, you know, winning close in one-run games. And, you know, to split that series was huge. Obviously, the Braves, you know, have all the talent to match up with the Mets. They still have not done so this year. And then the Phillies series, as you mentioned about, to come back in the last inning in two of those games, steal some games off that really bad Phillies bullpen was so huge. And when you're able to kind of, right, you build up a four-game lead or seven games over, and you're able to split with your offense playing out that poorly, um, that's huge against two – division opponents and obviously you know in the long term you have guys that will come back and will add to this and my whole thing when I talk Mets every week is like they just got to tread water now because you know like they still haven't really gotten hot right it's not like they haven't had that one stretch where they've really dominated as of late at least and so to still be up four games is huge Braves pitcher Mike Sirocco which I don't know if we're going to talk about pretty huge he re-injured his Achilles huge blow for baseball huge blow for the Braves. So they won't be getting some of that juice that they hoped would kind of flip around their season back. And so, yeah, for the Mets to kind of really like stay afloat this week was I think really big. They play, they put the nationals in a makeup right tonight. Yep. So like they're getting those, you know, all those games that they missed early on they're catching up to them with the double headers this week and everything you hope that they don't get too tired or fatigued or anything. Maybe that's been kind of a ripple effect of the offense playing so poorly and not, you know, it's slipping to last. As you mentioned, it's all these games in this short window, they need a little rest, but it's also just the the, the the personnel. I know that's not really a baseball term, isn't there right now in the lineup. No one above an 800 OPS, which I think is so, you know, the amount of stat, the amount of bad offensive stats of the Mets that you can look at and still see the record at the end of the day is so fascinating. Um, so yeah, so, you know, for the Mets, I think it was obviously not a great week and there's certainly questions with the offense that it will need to get better. You're not going to go four and four, scoring basically two runs a game which is what they did so you're gonna have to figure it out there but when your pitching is so good you were able to survive a week where you can't hit at all and that's exactly what they did
0: I think that's spot on and it's the reason why I've been so confident about the Mets from start to finish is that even on a week like this where literally everything goes wrong the hitting doesn't show up the pitching you even get a bad Jacob DeGrom start which never happens they still find ways of winning games was that (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah that's what i'm saying bad like let's put it in yeah. perspective for Then that's the thing too we're putting in perspective you got a bad Marcus Strowman stroman start too because he's not completely yeah. healthy i think about a week like that where the pitching is that bad i uh, know i'm again that bad and the offense is this bad and they still manage to win multiple games against divisional opponents that's the other key thing here is divisional opponents i think that matters so much and you're still like you mentioned sam they have a, they have a pretty decent lead on the and at least that to me is what makes a championship team and a really a successful team in any sport but particularly baseball when you can win games in this gritty type of way and I'm not really concerned about the Mets offense. I do think you're starting to see some individuals getting it going. Lindor is obviously the prime example of that. But, like, when you think about this team and the amount of lineups that they've had, it's, it makes sense why they haven't had great hitting this season. Because th- I've i talked about it before. i talked with Ryan a lot with the Yankees. I think baseball is such a momentum sport where a guy needs to be on the field multiple days in a row, see the baseball, get comfortable in order to have a successful season. Yeah. And the Mets haven't been able to do that just because you have so many guys in and out of the lineup every week. So with yeah. that, sure, I mean, you have to expect that they're going to struggle. But at the same time, you have to give them a lot of credit because they do get hits when it matters. And I know that the the Phillies bullpen isn't necessarily the best bullpen in baseball, but there were moments where they had to come back wins. They got big hits late and they made a difference. Every time I see a Mets highlight on Twitter, it's a hit in the seventh to the ninth inning with runners in scoring position like every time. And I think you do have to give them some credit for that is even though the numbers aren't there. They've been very putrid, as you mentioned, the worst in baseball offensively. They've shown up when it mattered. They've managed a lot of difficult situations and they've given the team some wins in some difficult spots. And I think that is important. Like Ryan said, as long as you could stay above water and the Mets will continue to do that, I think you got to give them a lot of credit. And like you mentioned, Sam, things are only getting better too as guys get back. So I'm feeling confident about the Mets. And even though it wasn't a great week, I still definitely feel that way because of just how they've won these games.
1: Yeah, I'm not too worried either. I think. The the trend they've gone on this past week of starting pitching, or actually pretty much the trend they've gone on to this point of the season, is kind of starting pitching, almost carrying this team, and then the offense doing what they have to do to score enough runs to win games. It's not quite sustainable, and it's not exactly what you're looking for, just because you don't want to put too much pressure on the bullpen and on your starters, especially, you know, you're seeing some injuries there right now. With Mukasey gone, that's a huge injury for them, a guy that not a lot of people know about, but uh, he was pitching really well for this team. Tough to have him gone. It, it hurts the rotational depth. And then Stroman is dealing with a little hip injury. Didn't pitch well his last start. The hip didn't really have anything to do with that. But for me, I, you don't want to put too much pressure on this starting rotation or on the bullpen because, yes, they are very good. But this offense should be a lot better than it is, kind of like we talked about with the Yankees. But I guess why I'm not too worried is because the offense – Yes, it should be better, but it doesn't have to be better, if that makes sense, because of how good this pitching staff is. This offense doesn't need to go out and score five, six runs a game. All they really need to do is score three, four runs a game. They're getting all their starters back. It's important to note that, yeah, baseball is one of those sports where you need a lot of at-bats to get comfortable and get back in your groove. McNeil hasn't had those at-bats yet. Conforto hasn't had those at-bats yet. Nemo is just coming back. Guys that have only been here for less than a week and and the Mets – and, you know, some Mets fans are are, are are expecting them to all of a sudden be a 300 hitter as soon as they come back from injury. That's just not realistic. It's going to take a little while for these guys to get in their groove, figure things out. I trust that they will. You know, Lindor, it's taken a while, but he's starting to come around. McCann is another guy who started to hit better. Don Smith, another guy. So for me, I'm not too worried just because I know how good the starting rotation can be and the pitching staff can be. That way this Mets offense doesn't have to do too much, but if they do live up to their potential, to how good they can be, because I look at this lineup night in and night out, like during the Philly series, I'm looking at the lineup and I'm thinking this lineup is very good. You know, It's a very solid lineup, top to bottom. They're not producing right now. That doesn't quite make sense. If they produce to the level that they're capable of, this team's going to be really good because you're going to get good starts from DeGrom, Stroman, and Walker. And then you're going to have the offense putting up five, six runs a game. I don't really see anyone in the NL East who can beat them because the NL East has been definitely down. No one in the NL East is playing well or playing like a like a complete baseball team. I think the Nationals right now, who have kind of snuck back into things, are probably the closest to that. But nobody's playing a complete game of baseball right now, not even the Mets, and they're sitting in first place. That shows how good they can be. And if this lineup starts to figure things out, it shouldn't be a worry, but if they do start to figure things out and, and produce the way they should, I think watch out. I think this team can be really good.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important that you can look at the standings right now and see that they're up four games because they've given themselves a cushion in a point of the season where you know they would have expected, right? You see, if you looked at all the injuries in March and you say all these guys will be hurt for this long, you'd be expecting the guys coming back that to have to dig out of a hole You'd yeah. expect Conforto, he would need to hit right away. McNeil, right away. Yeah, now and that's, a
1: ton have, of pre- that's too much pressure to put on these guys. That would be a list. terrible situation in third place having to say, okay, Nimmo, Conforto, you have to come up and hit right away because we need to get back in this division. It's almost like the way the Yankees are right now. We no, need it, to fight back in the division now. The Mets aren't com- in that situation, yeah. which is an incredible scenario to be in.
2: It's a complete flip-flop because, like, if the Yankees were playing well, you could, have, you, know, you could have afforded a really bad series versus the Red Sox. It happened as baseball. But when you dig yourself so hole, you have to climb out of it. You can't go farther back in the ditch, which is the difference in these teams because the Mets, that's what you'd expect them to do. And they haven't done that at all. And it's unrealistic to just expect guys instantly. I know what happens, but instantly three months on your couch, Michael Conforto, you have to hit right away. You're hitting fourth in the first place team. You got to hit right now. Like yeah. guys need time to come back. And so I think, the Mets have given their guys the ability to do that, and I think that would just help them over the the long part of the year because then you know you don't have to press, right? You can you can get through a slump early on, and it's not the end of the world if they're not hitting right away. You said like obviously they do need to hit more than they've hit the last week, which I think we need to clarify, right? You gotta you gotta score a little more yeah. than you've been doing. You gotta pick it up a little, but not a ton. You don't have to outslug everyone. And the one thing I want to say, just a what if after watching yesterday's game and watching Zach Wheeler shove down the Mets throats is I can't help but think back to that off two years ago where they let him walk and they spent that money on Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, maybe the defining moment of the Van Wagen era. I don't know. But if you had him in that rotation right now, 2.2 ERA this year, always had the stuff with the Mets, but never really put it together in like right he is right now. He, I know Noel is probably the ace of that staff to face, but Zach Wheeler is the guy who's putting up the results right now. If you were able to have him right now, and then Taiwan Walker is the four, this would be the best rotation in baseball. But, you know, you can't look at the what if. You have to look at what you have. They still have a really good rotation. Yeah, and and also, sorry
1: to cut you off, but when Carrasco comes back, if he's healthy, that is the best rotation in baseball. If he pitches well, because he's a very good pitcher, and people have almost forgotten about him because he hasn't made his Mets debut. He's been hurt so far. But if he comes back and he's healthy – behind Walker, Stroman, and DeGrom, that staff, I don't see anyone, I, I don't see a better pitching staff in baseball, if I'm being totally honest. If Carrasco pitches to the level he can, and even right now, Peterson, David Peterson's pitching well, so the staff is just really good, and like, um, you know, I'm sure Zach Wheeler having him, and, and that was a tough loss, to having him, you know, deal uh, against a struggling Mets offense, but I think there's there's a lot of potential with this rotation to get even better, which is another reason why there's not pressure on the offense. And there's not really pressure on this team right now.
0: You Think about it. We're having conversations, too, about guys that were the Triple A Mets that were here and replaced. And we're having conversations about them actually staying in a spot on the on the lineup. You know, you get a guy like Travis Blankenhorn that shows up yesterday in a pinch hitting role and yeah. Jonathan VR, obviously playing terrific before the injury. You have guys that were supposed to be replacements. You're actually talking about is getting starting jobs. And I think that yeah. shows you just how far this team has come.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting scenario for the two New York teams because it's, it seems very contrasting. And I mentioned the clubhouse too, as well, being around this Mets team and covering them is really fun. Just, just watching their attitude in the clubhouse, watching just even like Lindor, I think is no matter what his on-field production, what he's been able to provide to the clubhouse provide lifting guys up when they really need it. Just being a, you know, a, a, just a smiling and exciting attitude day in and day out that really helps the team a lot and this Mets team have really embraced that kind of attitude which makes it fun to watch for sure uh, a lot of excitement for them down the stretch but before we end the show um of course the All-Star game in Colorado is approaching and the first phase of fan All-Star voting has been completed phase 2 i believe is open now um so in phase one, they announced the finalists uh, for each position to vote for the starters uh, for the All-Star game. So we've seen those finalists. And I'm going to go to you, Ryan, first. I want I want you to give me two players. First, a surprise, and then someone who you think should be in that spot instead of the person announced, if that makes any sense. And then <laughs> secondly, of course, who do you think is a lock to be an All-Star uh, at, at, at their given
2: position? Right. So for my surprise, I didn't want to go with, because obviously you're in the reality of baseball, you have bigger markets with bigger fan bases. Like obviously DJ Lemegu absolutely does not deserve <laughs> finalist right now, but I didn't want to go with the guy like Kim because I wanted to go with someone who, when I look at the final three vote getters, I was surprised, you know, when factoring in the markets and how good the teams are. And that's Jake Cronesworth of the San Diego Padres, because obviously they get a lot of eyeballs, right. You know, Fernando Tatis, right. Like people watch, Padres games, especially out West, maybe the West Coast difference, you know, makes a difference here. But obviously, right now he was fifth, I think he didn't make it. And if you look at his numbers, uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be in the conversation to start. Gavin Lux was a finalist at 230. He is half the homers of Cronesworth, you know, basically worse numbers across the board than than Cronesworth. And I know he has that LA fan base. But then you look at an Adam Frazier, and he's the guy who I think deserves to start on this team. He's a 330 hitter, somewhat OPS. He doesn't have the power of Cronworth, but the Pirates aren't a good team. And so to see a guy like him, like, uh, no offense to the Pittsburgh Pirates fans out there, but that fan base isn't known for, you know, carrying and uplifting guys into the All Star games. It, like, he definitely deserves to be there. But when you look at the difference of a team that people are watching in the Padres and a guy who, if you look at Nazi Albies, who I think is the leading vote getter right now, same homers, Cronworth has the edge, in average, and OPS plus and OPS and one's creator plus. So like goingworth is right there. He's a knock behind Frazier. There's no reason he should be fifth. And so he's a guy that people watch people pay attention to. So that was something that I was surprised with, especially when you have a smaller market guy like Frazier, who I'm glad is there and certainly deserves to be there, but kind of weird patterns from the fans there. And to the other one, the lock that I think if he doesn't start, I'm one, First off, I'm not a fan of the fan voting at all. I think it's a flawed system. It's better than a few years ago when, you know, it was like what you just, the top vote getter was automatic lock right away. And they had to change that because you'd had 220 Omar Infante as the starting second baseman in the All-Star game. So a problem with that, right? Yeah, I, I do have a problem with that. And so, you know, they've luckily, they've luckily changed the model a little bit to kind of prevent that from happening. But Salvador Perez absolutely has to be the AL starting catcher. When you look at the final three, I don't want to go too into Gary Sanchez, but absolute robbery. He didn't make it over Gizmonte Grandal and Martín. I don't want
1: to go too into it, but I am going to mention it. I
0: thought you were going to say he was going to start Gary Sanchez. I was expecting that. Well, well,
2: well listen, if he was in this final three, Salvador Perez would not be my lock because those numbers are similar. <laughs> but when you look at the, the three of them, Salvador Perez versus Manny Grandal and Martín Maldonado, it's not even a conversation. Salvador Perez is 280. He leads all catchers with homers 18. He's played in every game this year. Not all a catcher, but he has played. He's been in the lineup every day for that Kansas City Royals team. So, you know, that's really impressive, especially in today's game as a catcher. It's absolutely unheard of. Like, you don't do that in 2021 MLB baseball. So he also is, he's the face of the Royals. He's been there forever. You know, he's put in the work. And so he absolutely has to start. Martino Donato, 530 OPS. He got the Houston Astros fans bump. He's Monty Grandal, while like he's having a remarkable season in his own right to be an above ravage hitter while hitting 177, there's no reason that he should start over Salvador Perez. So that's my lock. We absolutely, as fans, need to make sure that we get it right at the AL catching position with Salvador Perez.
0: I think uh, something interesting you brought about was the small market nature of it. and i think that's important to mention because i think baseball is the one sport where we talk about all-star i don't really care about team success because i think there's so many guys in the lineup that i don't think the team success is an indicative of a guy's individual success you talk about the dodgers for example have five guys in the all-star you know in the top three the finalists and i don't really see that concerning that they're not even you got you look at the team like the giants they're the top of the nls right now and i think buster posey is one of the guys that i want to highlight because he's been extraordinary this season and you consider the fact that He's matching numbers that almost he had a decade ago now, and he's doing it in 2021. That's extraordinary to me, just the longevity that you're getting from a guy like that. I think with the Dodgers, I I don't
1: take off 2020. Also, Yeah, he he opted out of
0: 2020, which is even more impressive, because that's another thing that I use as kind of a metric for this is there's a lot of guys who had like good 2020s that have carried it into 2021. And that's another thing I think you have to reward too. is guys that didn't just use that year as a fluke, but prove that they're actually having great seasons this year as well so that was one thing I didn't I didn't like was that the Dodgers had five guys on there too like the Cubs had multiple guys on here like Anthony Rizzo that I didn't really think have all-star worthy numbers this year so some of the guys I think should be on here I know somebody Sam you mentioned we were talking on the top was Matt Olson I think he's somebody that really deserves a nod just because he's to me the most feared hitter I saw at Yankee Stadium this year when he was there in that A series I did not want to pitch to him I thought he was going to hit a home run every time I was at the plate no other guy I've had that feeling about all year long. So Matt Olson's one guy. I think I was think Jarrett Walsh is another guy who has not gotten enough conversation this year. Even I talked about Rizzo. He's got that nod at first base over Walsh, which I just don't see when the numbers are so different this year. And I know the Cubs are a better team, but Walsh has just been extraordinary this year. So those are a few of the names that I think really deserve a little bit more respect. I think, just too many names that we're seeing from a guy like the Yankees and the Dodgers and a lot of big market teams that don't necessarily deserve to be there. And I want to reward some of the small market guys. I think Tyler O'Neill's another one in the outfield in the NL. Is, the, is he a starter? No, not really. Is he even a reserve guy? Maybe, but I just think he's somebody that deserves a few more votes. And like you said, because of the design that fans vote on this, the small market teams are not gonna be represented just because they don't have as many fans. Like that's one of the flaws of the situation that I'd like to see fixed. So those are just a few of the names that I keep my eyes on and one thing I want to ask you, Sam, right at the top, and I want to get your answer, of course, too, but do you think Francisco Lindor deserves a spot in this? Because I saw a lot of people said he should be an all-star, because isn't it interesting? The Mets don't have one finalist, and they're the, the NL, leading, NL East leading team. I think that's interesting.
1: No, I don't think he deserves it. Um, he has not played anywhere close to what we, everyone expected out of Francisco Lindor. I don't think you need... A, a starter in the All Star game to be a uh, to be a first place team, and I think the Mets are a perfect example of that, just because of the collective kind of you know next man up bench mob mentality that they've had, having everybody come up and hit, play their role. I mean, and obviously the starting pitching is going to get you know <laughs> all three of those guys, DeGrom, Stroman and Walker, are going to be there, and, and very well. You know, there's no debate on that. But in terms of the offense. The offense has been terrible. It's been it's been the worst in baseball. So for me there doesn't seem to be a big reason to put anybody in the All-Star game. Nothing against the Mets. They're a great team. They're playing well, but no, they don't really deserve uh to have a nod in the All-Star game. And it's the same thing with the Rays too. Another team that doesn't have any uh representation in the American League. And they've been leading the AL East most of the year because their philosophy as a team is is kind of similar. You know, they they don't have a big star. Maybe Randy Rosarina is that guy, but his numbers have been down, not great. They don't really have a big star. They win by committee. They win by doing the little things. They do whatever they can to win games and it works for them. But that doesn't mean they should be rewarded with all stars just because they're in first. Because I agree. I, I totally agree that the all-star game should not be anything about how good or bad a team is. It really should be rewarding individual players and their success. And that's why this this not to get too far off topic, but that's why this fan voting is just so flawed because I think. The spirit of the all-star game, and I think everyone would agree this, is to recognize the guys that don't get recognized enough, you know, and, and guys in the Pirates, for example, or, or or other teams that, you know, have been struggling but deserve to get recognition, those individual players. And another one of those individual players who, who I want to bring up, um, he's not a lock. Um, as a starter, but a guy that is performing on a team that doesn't get talked about a ton or maybe underperforming team in the Cincinnati Reds, but Jesse Winker has had an unbelievable year. His OPS is almost 1,000. He's hitting, I think he's got maybe the best average in baseball. I mean, 325, almost 20 homers, almost 50 RBIs. He'll probably get to those numbers by the time the All-Star break comes, which is really impressive in the outfield. He made the finalist list, which was very nice. I was glad that you know, Reds fans showed up and supported him because he definitely deserves to be there. And I believe he deserves to start. I mean, I'm looking at some of the other NL outfielders and for me, Mookie Betts is a guy that hasn't had a great year, but he's probably going to start the All-Star game because his name's Mookie Betts, which I think is a little unfortunate because you miss out on guys that deserve to be there, deserve to start a game and can, you know, put that on their resume. Uh, I started an All-Star game. I think that's a really cool opportunity for guys that that might be the, the moment of their career. They're not going to get the playoffs, and they're not, not going to make a run at a World Series. This season might be Jesse Winker's best. He deserves to be there as a starting all-star game, in my opinion. And then Alex mentioned um, kind of my my surprise, and then somebody I thought should be there, is, of course, um, Matt Olson from the Oakland A's. I mean, he's been dominant. People forget about the Oakland A's. They, continue, they win a ton of games in the regular season, and people don't talk about them. And then the Astros are playing really well right now. But the A's out there deserve respect. And it starts with battles and he's their best offensive guy over there at first base. It's a crowded position in the American League, though, because you have you have Vladi Jr., who's obviously you know getting like MVP votes right now with how, how well he's been playing. Yuli Gurriel also um, in Houston. He's had a good season. But for me, Matt Olson's got to be there. He's got to be at least one of the finalists. Uh, maybe take out Jose Bray, who has had an OK year, but that's another guy that's more name recognition than it is you know how good he is um, and maybe sub in a guy like Olsen who deserves to be there. Um, but I think that's the beauty of the all-star game. Like you mentioned, it's something that I'm excited to watch. And I always get excited to watch. You get to see guys that you might not watch on a nightly basis, especially let's say like Jake Cronenworth is a good example. You know, the Padres start at 10, 10 Eastern time every night. You might not get a chance to watch the Padres too much, but in the all-star game, maybe you get to see him play. Maybe you get to see, see him have a good game, which I think is the beauty of the game. And really fun to watch for the casual fan, but also, you know, more of the significant fan that still doesn't get to watch every single team play. So I think that's the beauty of the all-star game. I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it, but I think that's uh, just about going to wrap it up. We've gone, I feel like over time already here between our <laughs> Yankees talk and that's of course, um, and a little all-star game as well, but that's going to do it for this episode of nosebleeds. I'm Sam Davis, along with Ryan Gregware and Alex Bulls. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the week of baseball. <laughs>